Welcome to Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? I am your host, Kristen Sparks. I am the CEO and founder of Roar Inc. Voices are power, communications and connections company. I am a corporate and personal growth facilitator. I am an infinite possibilities and certified success principles trainer, currently working on my master certification for the success principles and my BVC coaching certification. I am a facilitator, author, speaker, and thought leader. I am a cancer, broken heart, body, and soul thriver. 2022 is a power year and all about living our best life. I may live with chronic pain, but I find joy in every day in the act of getting up and having a new day filled with infinite options, opportunities, and possibilities of success. Roar with Sparks, How Loud Is Your Roar is all about you. Come join the conversation as we gather weekly to share wisdom, insight, and value, learning from and giving to each other and our special guest, sending our vibration higher and charging each other up all while having fun. Can't wait to see you here. How loud is your roar? Well, hello and welcome back to Roar with Sparks. This is Kristen Sparks, your host, and I am so honored to have my mentor and why I got into podcasting or how I got into podcasting, Jenny Saraswati. That's the first time I've actually said that name where it came all the way out exactly the way that it's supposed to. And I just found out this amazing piece. That is the name of a goddess. And that is what Jenny is, is an absolute goddess. And I am so honored to have you here on my podcast today. Thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having me. What a beautiful introduction. I've never been called a goddess before. I've been referred to as she has the name of a goddess, but they've kind of negated, oh, maybe she's not a goddess, but I love the fact that you're like, oh, you know, she's, thank you. That's, that's such a humbling sentiment. And I equally enjoy working with you, Kristen. You are such a, a joy and a spark. See what I did there? That is what I try. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that spark of joy. My mission in life is to spread as much joy around the world as I possibly can. So that is a high honor that you have bestowed upon me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Jenny is the CEO, entrepreneur, extraordinaire of Jenny Media. And she is seriously my mentor and how I got my podcast going. Jenny, tell us about you. Where are you from? How did you get into podcasting? Tell us a little bit about you. Thank you so much, Kristen, for giving me the mic to be able to share that. What I love is all those titles that you mentioned that I am, mentor, entrepreneur, CEO, completely accidental. I had no idea that that's where I'd end up. I call myself a stumbling student, right? I stumble through life and I end up where I am. I'm like, oh, I'm here now. Okay, let's keep going. But I stumble forward. I will say that I'm stumbling forward, moving forward, yet still stumbling. And, you know, sometimes I have to graze my knee and put my bandaid on there and learn and heal. And I think for me, looking back at the last five years of running a company, so much that we've had to navigate through as business owners and business leaders, a pandemic, a war in Europe, and then now possibly a looming recession. So we've gone through a lot as leadership. And I think, where my story kind of comes into it is I was born in Sri Lanka, moved to Australia when I was two. That's where my adorable accent comes from. And now I live in New York City. I've been here for five years now. 
And I feel that my life has prepared me for all these big challenges that come my way. And just when I think, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got this. No, I don't. There's more of a learning curve. Right. But that's also <laughs> where I feel the name Saraswati is the name of a goddess. She's the goddess of speech, wisdom, learning. But that's also what I am. I'm a student. I love to learn. And I feel that if you want a deep lesson on yourself, entrepreneurship is a great school to go through. And daily, you learn things about yourself. You learn things about your company, your capacity. And things change. Like where I was 10 years ago, I'm not now. Like my body is different. My capacity for BS is different. Um, and, <laughs> and all of those things are different. And I'm like, oh, I don't have time to worry. And what I see as big things when I was 22, I don't see as big things at 36. So it's different. And it's that constant process of self-awareness, which I feel is what entrepreneurship offers. So it's kind of a contained story there for you, a condensed bio for you there, Christian. Uh, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. Entrepreneurship is definitely a process of learning. And I don't know if you're a student of human design at all, but it talks about you know how our aspects of a multitude of different philosophies come together and make us who we are. And I am a manifester. And so I'm basically throw spaghetti on the wall and I will come up with multitude of ideas and just throw them on the wall. And I don't expect anybody necessarily to pick them up, but they're ideas. They're just ideas. And entrepreneurship is very much like that. We do our best to find our way through the weeds, as I call it. Every day there's challenges in different ways, different people, different personalities, different age groups, different genders sometimes, and trying to get all of those pieces together. I am absolutely impressed with the team that you have been able to bring together of the talent, the caliber of talent that you have found is just insane. And how would you say you went about finding those amazing people? Thank you, Kristen. When I get a compliment on my team, I feel like people are saying, your child has done such a good job at school. And I'm like, yes, yes. yes. I am that mom in the audience like, yes, that's my child. But I do feel that the environment that I've created at Ginny Media, I do want it to feel like we're a team. And even though they are on paper, 1099s, contractors, they are my team. And that unity is so important to me. And their talent, I feel, comes from the place, like my team are from 13 to 15 different countries all around the world. They all have unique experiences. They bring unique perception and perspective to creativity. And I feel that's what makes us so unique. The fact that we are so diverse and yes. the fact that we are so creative, but yet we're able to get along pretty well to create amazing content for clients like yourself, Kristen. And I think what I'm really proud of with my team is the fact that they are very much aligned with the values that I want to hold as a human and I want to hold within the company. And I think that has been the real core differentiator because in 2017, December, when I moved to New York and I wanted to start Ginny Media, the way that I used to work, which was the traditional nine to five model or the shift work model did not work for me. I believe they have a place for certain people. It just didn't work for me. Right. I didn't believe in nine to five because my experience of nine to five was that it was never nine to five. It's like seven to 10 p.m. because you got take home work, traffic time, commuting time, right? 
And that just did, did not simply work for me. I was exhausted. I was burnt out. And there were no tools or resources at that particular time to guide me through that. And so when I created Ginny Media, I 100% intentionally wanted it to be remote, everybody to be remote, work from home. But that's not enough to say, hey, you can work from home, deal with it. You've got to give them support tools, benchmarks, parameters of how to navigate. How do I work from home? What works for me? What's important to me? And these are questions you have to ask yourself if you want to do something that has never really been done before. There's no precedence to follow, right? And I feel that the fact that that's always in the conversation that we're having, and it's a continual conversation as everything changes. And one of my team members wanted five years ago is not what they want now. Some of them have children, some of them are getting married. So priorities change, but that is a continual conversation you need to have with your team of talented people. What do they value? And again, it's back to value. They may value, actually, I want more weekends off, or I want to work more weekends because I have children now to support. So it's a variety of things. And I think as leaders, if anything, as I mentioned before, with everything we've gone through in the last three years, agility is so important. And it's also not taught. So you've got to figure it out, like throwing pasta on the wall, like, I'm just going to throw it on the wall and we'll see what lands and see what we cook up. But I think that is a core part of being a leader in the modern age. We've got to be agile and we've got to pay closer attention and listen to our team members in terms of their needs because it's not as simple as a performance review. Things will change. And if you don't know your person's getting engaged or if you're about to have a baby, like I would highly encourage you to look into what's stopping you from accessing that person in that way because that's very important. It's an important milestone and it is going to impact them as a human being. Therefore, it will impact your company. So anyway, I kind of went off a tangent there, but I felt like I need to talk about my children (laughs) (laughs) and grandchildren now. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's wonderful that you look at them that way, you know, that it is such a family, not just a team. And I think that's so important with anybody that you're working with. You really need to humanize them. That nine to five model that we've worked at for so many years in the yardstick that we've measured with has to be different in this environment and the way that we work and the way that we are finding priority to be about ourselves versus about what the company needs. We need to know that whatever company we're working at, whatever job we have, whatever career we choose supports us versus us supporting that career. Absolutely, because that's how you retain talent. When you look at the average tenure of an organization now, like corporate America, corporate wherever you are in the world, insert country here, seven months is the stat you're getting. Seven months is the average tenure, which is insane when you think about that, right? Seven months, like when I was growing up, if you had seven months on your resume, that's a red flag for your next employer. But now that's become the norm purely because I think there's two sides to it. One, I think employees, contractors are figuring out what their benchmark is for value or what their organization should supply them as an employer. And I think the other part is employers are trying to figure out, yo, what can we do? How can we keep and retain the top talent? And it's not just about the initial offer, which I think now people are starting to realize, hey, yep, we've set up someone remote. That's it. It's like, no, you've got to show them where the tech team is, if they have any issues, who do they speak to about a HR issue? That's got to be done. It's not as, They don't have the luxury of walking down the hall and be like, hey, hey, Bob, my computer's down. Can you have a look at it? It's, right. it's not like that. And do, are they resourced? So there's a bigger conversation that needs to happen. And I think now that we've realized hybrid work or remote work is here to stay, 
we need to adapt a little bit quicker, better and be of more service for our team. And that's how we're going to keep that talent. Otherwise, the talent's going to walk, as we've seen. Absolutely. So how did you determine what the values were that you wanted within the company? And then how did you determine that your team bought into those same values or had those same values when you started? It's a great question, Kristen. And I think like everything I've done in the last five years, purely accidental. So I read this book called The Buddha and the Badass by Vision Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley. And he talked about vivid vision and he talked about peaks and valleys in someone's life. And I did the exercise where he said to look through, you know, my peaks and valleys in the formative years of my life and what were the values that were there? And it was joy, freedom, adventure, growth, and community. They were the five values that popped up. And I'm like, oh, interesting. And then I I wrote these down and I looked at the company values that I put up and there was lots of synergy between them. I just didn't label them the way that I did in that exercise. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And Freedom is a core part of our culture. One, all of our team are freelancers, even though I treat them like they're team members or permanent team members, should I say. But the other part was that capacity to build community and on a remote scale is increasingly difficult. We all speak different languages. Our first language isn't always English. But how do we keep that team environment and connection going? It's just something that we're exploring. So I think when you look at that, those values that we have, you know, community, growth, joy, fun, adventure, we need to bring that somehow to the team as much as we can. And it's not always fun and games. We have challenges. We work through things. Client situations come up. But how do we navigate that in a way that we are still staying joyful and we're still growing and learning and we're still able to have our freedom? Because it really does start from those pillars, right? If we can always go back to those pillars every day and I as a leader can be, and also the leadership team that I employ, can also hold those value systems in, that's what's going to help the company keep growing and thriving in the way that we want it to. So I think values for now, like that's where it stays at, you know, Ginny Media at five years old, we're going to six years next year. They may change slightly, but I do think freedom, growth and joy will always be three pillars that we stick to. Oh, I love that. I so love that. Values to me are pinnacle. I am certified in the Barrett Values Leadership Coaching. And so I really tout values a lot. People don't look at that as kind of a benchmark for what they need to do within their company, their organization, and with their people. But they really need to start there. When a person comes on board, you need to know that their values are in aligned with yours. And then as you're going along, remeasuring those values. Are we still all on the same page? And if we're not, what needs to change? What needs to be done? Exactly. What's the next step forward so that we can get past the challenges that we have together? Because life is full of challenges. I mean, that is really, that's it, man. <laughs> Well, the other thing too, Kristen, that you said there, it is a constant checkpoint. I remember the last corporate job I had, the director sent us an email saying, here's our culture, read it, feel it. And then the next employee who comes, immerse him in that culture in the booklet. I'm like, that's not culture, dude. That's Q&A. That's read and comprehend. Like I felt like I was back in 10th grade English. You're lucky it was 10th grade, Jenny, because most people read it in 8th grade or lower. So... (laughs) 
yeah, for me, I think we did have comprehension in eighth grade. I don't think I paid attention, but tenth grade was when it was like, oh, I should really pay attention to this. <laughs> this is going to be on my SATs, you know. So that's when it kind of hit home for me. But I think to your point, like things constantly change and evolve. So just to think, hey, we've done a booklet, that's it. No, that's just the starting point. That's the foundation that you need to keep building on and refining and refaming as your team grows. Right. And as you grow, because you're changing and evolving, things are like, oh, I tried that. It didn't work. So I'm going to cha- I'm gonna go over here and try this. And your team member need to understand that you're trying to see the big picture or you are seeing the big picture. And they're only getting a piece or a part of that. So yeah, bringing that all together, you've done a heck of a job, I must say. Thank you, Kristen. (laughs) I make it up as I go along, but I'm glad it looks like it's intentional (laughs) and (laughs) seen. Well, I'll tell you what, it sounds to me like there's a book in there. Maybe. Oh, yes. Unintentional leadership, throwing spaghetti on the wall by accident. Yeah. That's a title, I think. (laughs) I like it. I like it. That's good. That's awesome. So six years. That's exciting. What a benchmark, Jenny. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I still pinch myself. I'm like, I get to wake up and do this every day, which, and I, you know, I got a little bit emotional last year. Last year was a rough year for me, but it was also the 10 year, I call it a jubilee. It's probably slightly sacrilegious, but let's just take jubilee, right? I call it my 10 year jubilee from my last corporate white collar job. And I remember like waking up in that job. I only worked there for a year, but every day I woke up going, I have to go to work. And it was just the worst feeling because think about this. I think a lot of people who are unsatisfied with their work in corporate, wherever they work, when you wake up every day thinking, oh, I have to go to work. If you carry that energy with you every day, you're looking forward for the weekend, which really you're using to recover. So how are you actually living and enjoying life? You're waiting constantly for it to be over. We need to do better to make people feel not like that at their work. That's miserable. And clearly it's it's been felt and people have resigned and, and they're like, you know what, I'm going to reclaim my time and power and everything back, which is great. But those sorts of things, like when I think about that, I'm like, I'm, I feel very blessed that six years we're looking at Ginny Media going into the sixth year and the team that I have, I'm very blessed and grateful to work with them. And also like, I'm very excited for the adventures that are coming ahead. It's there's always growth and, and something that we're like, okay, here's another lesson. It's like Santa on his sleigh. It's like, okay, Rudolph, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> what's going on up front? I need to see it all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so are there any surprises on the horizon that we know about? No surprises at, at yet. I think what I've been thinking about is things about what needs to happen to give me more support. I don't say that selfishly. I say that very intentionally because I think sometimes when you create and found a business, one of the things is, oh, I can still do what I have been doing for the last five years. And and no, your time and attention needs to be elsewhere. So how can you ensure that you're well-resourced and how much resources do you need? Um, Because I'm the kind of person I'll sign up for everything. I'm like, yep, I'll do that course. Yep, I'll take that coaching package. Yes, I'll do that. But do I have the capacity to actually do that because there's learning is one thing, but integrating and practicing those lessons is a completely different thing. And I think that's what I've really learned this last year. 2021 was a huge year for me. And I don't think I allowed myself enough time to integrate what I went through, what I felt, what I've learned, and even what I've learned in 2022. So 
I just want to make sure I'm resourced at the amount that feels spacious for me. And I don't feel like, oh, learning is another thing I have to do because learning will come whether I want it or not, Kristen, with entrepreneurship. So I just want to make sure I have the spaciousness to integrate that. (laughs) Absolutely. That's amazing. You know, there's so many people that need to learn to do that. And, you know, just stopping for a minute and saying, where am I right now? What do I need to do for me? so that I can move forward, so that I can grow. And then I can be the leader that I need to be for the team that I have around me. Not everyone has the wherewithal, I guess is probably the best way. It's not even that they can't, it's they don't realize they can. They're allowed. They don't give themselves permission to stop and say, oh, I've been run, 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 running. And really, this isn't the direction I want to go at all. Yeah. And think about it too, Kristen, like, the pausing part can feel scary because we are still subscribing unintentionally or unconsciously to hustle culture, yes. like social media, popping up with things we need to do, where we need to be, who we need to be hanging around with. And then the other part of it is we haven't seen another way of working given enough attention, right? There is such power in that pause because if you think about it, entrepreneurs create things for freedom to live on their own time. And we sometimes forget that. (laughs) And it's a reminder. Yeah. The dream is that I get to decide what I want to do next. I get to have the life that I want. I get to be able to spend more time with my family. I get to go on vacations. I get to do all of these things if I do this, 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 and this. But then we do this, this, and 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 we're trying to do our regular job or whatever else it is that we have in our life. And we suddenly realize we're doing more now than we were doing before. And we don't, we still don't have the dream. It's so interesting too. The other thing I've been leaning into recently is this whole concept of enough. Mm-hmm. Like whoever out there said, this is the benchmark for enough, really. Whoever said this is enough? Because I know female entrepreneurs in particular feel that they should be sending one more email, taking one more meeting, taking one less day off, skipping all these things. And, you know, they don't go to the toilet when they need to pee because they skip it. And then you wonder in time, like they have issues, digestive issues, headaches. I had headaches for years and dehabilitating headaches, migraines. I'd wake up and I could not get out of bed. But there were certain things that I've learned that it's like stretch time. You need that time to allow that space to integrate and all these things. And when we feel like we don't do enough, we don't feel like we are enough. And that's coming from someplace internal. Absolutely. So we really have to set the benchmark for ourselves as to what is enough. That can't come from anything or anyone else. I'm doing this thing at the moment where every little thing I do every day, I write what I do. So at the end of the day, we're like, oh, you need to do five more things. Jenny, I look, I'm like, I've done enough. I can go now, enjoy my day. Nothing's going to go on fire. But I still make that sound fun and joyous, but I still go through my moments where I feel like I need to be doing more. And I'm like, who is telling you this? What is this more, Jeannie? Like it's it's a constant cycle of defining and redefining, which something I'm dabbling into. I'm like, what is this enough? Like who has set this benchmark that I'm trying to live towards? And I'm like, actually, it's me. And I think I need to <laughs> rein that in. Right? <laughs> Yeah, I I love that. That concept of I'm enough. How many degrees do I need? How many certifications do I need? How many of this, that, or the other thing do I need to be who it is that I already am? That's kind of where we started with the concept of the I doubt me retreat, which is I do me. I do me because I can remove that doubt 
And I do that by learning how to believe in myself first. And that's where I think the bitch mark of enough comes from as well, because it's, it's really coming back to what I believe about myself. Yeah, 100%. And that's so important. It really so, is. So, so important. Especially as women. We're supposed to be, you know, the wives, the mothers, the cooks, the cleaners, the whatever. And then we're still supposed to go out and have a career and have it all and balance it perfectly on a platter that we hold over our head until our arms fall off. You know? <laughs> we don't even get to enjoy the platter no! that we've won or like that we felt that we've deserved. Like, yes, my arms hurt to carry it and it falls to the floor. Right. Like, it's fascinating. And to your point, yes, women's role in society has evolved and we are now looking at women for the first time wanting thriving careers, thriving relationships. But again, it's not being modeled. So how are we looking to do this? And enough is a very key component to that. It's just, that's got to come from us. Absolutely. You know, and, and they talk a lot about this law of attraction and we don't look at the other side of attraction. You know, if we're attracting things through the positive thoughts of our mind, if we put out the negative thoughts, we're attracting those things too. So I've been dabbling in this law of allowing. Oh, I love that. Yes. I love that. Yes. Law of allowing. Allow what is to be. Allow what could be to be. I don't need to attract anything. I don't need to distract anything. I just need to allow. And with that, I can be joyous. I can be whatever it is that I am at the time. I can sit down and have a good damn cry too. I can rage if I need to. Whatever it is that I need, I can allow. I think that's the hardest part. And I don't know if you can relate to that, Kristen, but it's not the doing or the accepting. It's giving ourselves permission to rest, giving ourselves permission to allow. That we struggle yeah. with. It's like just being. Yeah. Just be that permission that we circumvent oh, we do. continually. It's fascinating. We give everybody else permission. We give everybody else space to walk on us, to disrespect us, to whatever. But we never give ourselves that permission to love ourselves, to enjoy ourselves. I'm doing a challenge for November that is the November month of me. And it's self-love and self-care. We're going to go through 21 days of changing that concept of what taking care of myself is all about. Yeah, 100%. I love that you're doing a Meevember. It's very important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's important. And it does take 21 days to settle into that new space. And I love that. So you said you were two when you moved to Australia. What was it like growing up there, I guess, and then moving to New York? Well, I loved New York from the moment I set foot in the city. Like I remember it was 2011. And I don't know why. I think it was because I actually don't know what the answer to this, but my re recollection of my first memory of Times Square when I first visited was there's only like five people there at 2, 3 a.m. Now it was in the middle of spring. It was cooler, but then I thought, hang on. This is odd because typically when you go to Times Square now, like there's always people there no matter what time you go. So I don't know what was happening, but I remember going, I'm like, oh, wow, this city, you could just feel the energy. Like it's like those lights are being powered by the energy of the city. I'm like, okay, this is very different from Melbourne, Australia. Like this is very, very different. And I remember when I moved over, everything was louder. 
Ikea. Like the cars, the people, the trains, the subways, the fire engines, the planes flying over. The, everything was just louder, bigger, brighter. And even like culturally, I don't know if this was my privilege growing up in Australia because I had many friends of different cultures and backgrounds, but I could probably count on my hand the times I was referred to as brown. Whereas here, like, it's very loud. You're a person of color. You're brown. You're this. And I'm like, this is interesting. Like, I, I never, like, I never saw people that way. And I think also because I grew up with a family who's relatively diverse and, and progressive, but we don't see people as their race or their skin color or anything like that. So it was very bizarre to me to move over here. I'm like, okay, that's not what I thought. I just thought that was Bob who made birds. Right. <laughs> I didn't really see him as a white man. Like, right. you know, I, I'm sure he is, but like, you know, it's it's not really what I go for in people. I look at their values, how they show up and if they're cool. Like, yeah, that was a big adjustment for me. And I think the other part was New York is a beast in itself, but I do feel that I've visited a few cities now and I'm, I'm looking forward to visiting more, but it's so far been the only city that I've gone to. And I'm like, I have to live here. It just calls you. And then, you know, maybe in a 10 years time, Kristen, I'll be like, I'm moving to Florida and that's it. Like <laughs> I also found people move to New York and then move to Florida. They do. <laughs> they totally do. I was that way when I, when I went to Miami, absolutely fell in love with Miami. And the crazy part was it was right after Hurricane Andrew, I went down for a dive trip, was in the middle of Hurricane Andrew unbeknownst to me. Until we were putting up plywood, (laughs) you know, so I came out of that situation and just fell in love. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the energy. I fell in love with the camaraderie. I fell in love with the culture. I fell in love with the multiculture. And I went back to Ohio and packed my bags. And a year later, I was living in Miami. So I get it. And I love New York. It has an energy all to itself. Yeah. It's interesting, the culture that we live in now, where it is so important to be recognized for the color of our skin versus just being recognized as part of the human race. I was like you, I didn't see that color. I didn't see those differences. I just enveloped whomever for their values, for their person. And then I got schooled on that, that I was actually being extremely disrespectful for not seeing the difference in the color of the skin or the culture that they lived. I never thought of it that way, you know, until somebody changed my perception. (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah, it's interesting coming from where you grew up that you were just enveloped you were the same way enveloped and then coming to America where it has become such a big deal. Yeah. When I moved here in one way, I was like, Oh, you were really blissfully ignorant. And another way I was enveloped because it's in a way like the community I grew up in, I didn't experience that. And whether you can call that sheltered or I'm pretty sure it is existing or I subscribe to something that I wasn't aware of it. So it's been eye-opening coming here and experiencing that. I'm like, okay, there is actually a lot more going on. And I, in one way, I have an appreciation for it because there is sensitivity to people's backgrounds, which I do feel sometimes in certain parts where I grew up, it's kind of like surpassed, but it's also important. So there's pros and cons to both, I think. However, I think it's been, but going back to being a student, I'm like, I am a perpetual student to this as well. So I'm always willing to learn and do my 
due diligence in looking at this as well. Absolutely, because you know, the I of me, who I am, is extremely important to me. You know, it's not the ego, it's the I of me, because that is where I've been able to get through my struggles. I've been able to get through my challenges. I've been able to do this through my strength. And a couple of years ago, I did that 23andMe genetics thing. And I did it because I wanted to know whether or not I had the gene for Alzheimer's because my family on my mother's side did, and it scared me terribly. So I did this and I get the results and I'm English Irish. And I went, that is not what my mother told me. I've always thought I was German, which I was a little weird about. (laughs) Right. I, you know, I just, I was, so I got this and I called my dad and I went, Oh my God, dad, we're, we're Irish English. And he goes, honey, we've always been that. Where do you think the name Collins comes from? Which is his middle name. I gave it to my son. I'm like, well, I don't know. I just liked it. So, <laughs> you know, it's interesting how we relate to that ancestral part of ourselves along with the eye of who we are now. And when someone tries to take that away from it, us becomes almost like they're pulling a piece of us out that doesn't belong to them. That's very, I never saw it that way, but that's actually quite true. Yes, it's it's also a part of myself that I've ne- haven't explored or am aware of yet. It's like when coming out, right, when people know more about you than you do, it's like, wait a minute, let me figure it out first before you weigh in on like what you think my sexuality is, right? It, it's kind of like that. Yes. It's kind of like, it's like, let me figure it out. And people are like, well, we always knew. I'm like, okay, thank you, but I need to figure it out for myself first, right? You can't pull me out of the closet. I'm going to come out on my own time. But it's one of those things, I think, that to your point, I think it's something that, that people kind of hold up a mirror and like, is this something you want to look at? And it's, it's on you to be like, yes or no, or I'm not ready to explore that yet. And all those answers are fine. Exactly. One of the pieces of this challenge that we're doing is the I love you part. And it's I love that you're looking yourself in the eye in the mirror and you're stating, Kristen, I love you. I love you for everything that you are, for all that you do. Look at what you accomplished today and name five things that you accomplished. It could have been something as simple as getting out of bed. It could be something as big as starting a podcast, but just naming it and claiming it for yourself. I think that that is part of this whole culture that we live in right now, being able to claim whatever it is your color, your age, your body type, your sexuality, whatever. It doesn't matter. Just own who you are, I think, is one of the most important things that you can do for yourself. And see who you are, which is a beautiful exercise that you've shared. Yeah. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I'm going to do that. You've you've dropped a couple of bits of wisdom today, so I'm going to write those down. And those things at the end of the day, it's so important. <laughs> yes. The other bit of wisdom that I shared before we started recording was there's always knocks at the door. You just don't have to answer. It's your choice. You can answer or not. I love that. And it's so true. You don't have to respond to every pitch proposal or person that wants to work with you. You don't have to respond to the knock. Nope. It's all good. And you're not missing this FOMO thing. 
I don't advertise that way. I don't look at life that way. If you want to be involved in something that I do, it's because you want to be involved in something I do. That is, again, your choice. Make it your choice to do whatever it is that you do. Jenny, thank you so much for spending your afternoon with me. This has been a blast getting to know you, getting to share wisdom with you. You're amazing. And I thank you for all that you have done for me, for Roar with Sparks, for Roar itself. You're just, you've been an incredible partner in all of my podcasting and then everything else that we do. So thank you. Thank you, Kristen. It's been a wonderful afternoon. It's felt like I've had a cup of tea with Sparks and the wonderful wisdom. I think hearing those things and that beautiful love that you send to yourself every day, I think that's, that's an amazing tool to have and an amazing practice to do. So thank you for reminding me of that. And equally, I had a joyful time. And anytime I'll come and talk to you for hours. Sounds great. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this has been Roar with Sparks. Loud as you roar. I am Kristen and I have been spending the afternoon with Jenny Saraswati, the goddess. I love it. I'm going to put that on my business card. I think you should. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar with Sparks. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast player. We can be reached at www.wrarinc.com. Thank you again, and we can't wait to see you here next week. How loud is your roar? Roar.